Welcome to the Truth About Your Health podcast, where it's our mission to expose the truth about your health to burnt out men and women so we can empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized. We do this by exposing the truth in all different areas of health and wellness on each podcast that you are simply just not being told. And this ultimately prevents you from having the abundance of energy that you are looking for. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back another to another edition of The Truth About Your Health, where we're on a mission to expo- expose the truth about your health to burnt out men and women so that we can empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized. And I'm really excited for our next guest, Clive Bursky. I, I actually found out about him many, many years ago when he used to have a, a radio show with uh, uh, Dr. Marshall. And I've, I've used a lot of Clive's products over the years, got a little bit away from it. And I thought, and I just kind of resonated right back into it. So Clive founded Immunologics because of his life, lifelong personal experiences. At age 21, he had reconstructive knee surgery that started forming when he was only five years old. And in those days, doctors didn't really understand kidney stones uh, that caused mineral deficiency from a diet. Um, loaded with animal and dairy products. And then at 28, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And that resulted in the extraction of his right testicle, his right adrenal gland and 80 lymph nodes from under the arm down to the pubic bone uh, to get his adrenal glands. They, they sawed out a rib. It took three and a half months for them to, to, for him to walk after that. And then nine and a half hours of anesthesia coupled with the missing adrenal glands and a testicle left him in a very debilitated chronic fatigue state for six years. And doctors told him that there was really nothing that they could do. And this is how he was going to have to end up with the rest of his life. But in 1991, he met a biochemist that understood enough about physiology and nutrition. And it enabled him to be able to have normal working function, to be able to work and drive and talk and two hours a week of proper nutrition and diet modification was what he, he basically did. And then it's been 26 years since then. And he's excited because he now has dedicated his life to helping support people in the same situation. So Clive, thank you so much for being here. That's quite a story. I'm excited to be with you, Dr. Rosen, and thank you very much. I'm looking forward to having this visit. Yeah, so, you know, it's exciting because ultimately a lot of the listeners can identify with that, especially not necessarily having their 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 testicle or their, especially for the woman, they, they won't un, un, identify with that. But, you know, being told that there's nothing that they can do, um, not really putting all the puzzle pieces together, and this is just how you're going to have to live your life. And that's why we called this show The Truth About Your Health. So, Maybe why don't we go into the, the, the struggles that you had, not that we want to get into them, but what was the pivotal point that made you decide, hey, like, I'm like, not going to accept what they've told me, and I'm going to look for other solutions? It's a really great question, uh, because it did take six years for, for me to realize that there was a different way out of of the problem that I was facing, which was this debilitative chronic fatigue. Um, As you you mentioned, uh, I was having great difficulty driving, talking, walking, running the business. Um, I could talk for about five minutes and then I would need to lie down. Um, But basically, 
six years after the surgery, I met a, a biochemist in Southern California and he put me on a nutrition program that enabled basically for my left remaining adrenal gland to recover. Um, you know, the adrenal glands take a heck of a beating from anesthesia. Um, and if you had one removed and you got one left that was still um, not recovered after the nine and a half hours of anesthesia, it's not just going to come back to life as normal without any special help. So, um, you know, the, the nutrients that enable the adrenal glands to function are primarily vitamin C and the B vitamins and magnesium and potassium and sodium. And if any of those are missing to one degree or another um, is going to determine how well the adrenals are going, especially if you just have one adrenal. And, uh, and depending on the overall stress level of that person, um, it's going to be able to determine um, whether or not that person is going to be able to manage immune function, inflammation, um, all of the, the sex hormones, and interestingly enough, aldosterone, which is the hormone that the adrenals produce that enables the kidney to perform the most incredible function of filtering 2,000 liters of blood a day. So that really depends on the adrenal's ability to produce aldosterone. Um, so, you, you know, we're all familiar with the progesterone, estrogen, and testosterone, and the cortisols that um, can also be a problem from a long-term stress point of view, because long-term stress um, produces too much cortisol, and over time, that can contribute to hardening of the blood vessels. Um, we don't need any extra help to make our blood vessels stiff, because um, stiff blood vessels is automatically the consequence of long-term pH mismanagement, okay? So uh, what I'm saying there is that when we don't uh, pay attention to keeping whole body pH alkaline measured of urine and saliva, but largely to, uh, of, of measured of urine, because urine's pH is more of a uh, indicator of whole body organ gland cell pH versus saliva's pH is more of an indication of digestive status or digestive potential. So ultimately, both of those two pHs need to be the same, which is highly alkaline, which is more than 7.4. Hopefully we can get it up to eight or even higher than eight for optimal cell oxygen, which is going to provide us with the optimal immune response. So if we've got a ridiculously alkaline pH measured of urine, that is going to give us the best ability to manage infection. And by the way, that is going to give us um, the best ability 
to make new cells that work properly, that are not uh, cancerous, okay? So in order for cells to make new cells that are normal, we need to start off with an alkaline pH that affords a negative charge of 25 to 50 millivolts of that cell so it can make a new normal healthy cell rather than a cell that replicates abnormally and uh, long-term uh, putting out abnormal cells is not a good thing because then we, we're making tumors, okay? So, um, so it all comes down to managing pH and uh, all of those nutrients, int interestingly enough, are the same nutrients that we need to manage proper heart health, nerve health, digestive health. It all comes down to the same thing, ultimately. Now, um, from an adrenal point of view, as I said, we, we need vitamin C and magnesium and potassium and sodium in order to have normal adrenal health. So um, now it comes down to the form of the nutrients uh, that, that we just mentioned there um, so that we get the best uptake without having to swallow huge amounts of these nutrients. And also to be able to take the nutrients in, in a form that does not contain excipients such as magnesium stearate or stearic acid or calcium stearate or um, any of those other non-nutrient or uh, non-nutrient agents that are used to facilitate the making of capsules and tablets. They have nothing to do with nutrition. The word magnesium stearate to some people, they think they're getting a little extra magnesium, but really it's a deranged fat that uh, is an excellent lubricant in, um, in the way that um, manufacturers use it to facilitate the proper blending of a, of a um, nutritional formula. They're going to typically put magnesium stearate in there as a first go around to make sure that they get a full even mix of that blend so that when the capsules are made, <clears throat> they have the same amount of vitamin A, B, C, or whatever that complex might have been, so that it's evenly spread across the board. Uh, those are the other ingredients on the nutrition label where it says other ingredients, and you see magnesium stearate and stearic acid and calcium stearate and silicon dioxide. And occasionally, you'll find a company that is truly... Um, um, let's say, honest with their label, and they might even put uh, talcum as an ingredient, which is used as a lubricant, uh, where the other is calcium stearate and magnesium stearate um, don't do a good enough job in making the blend work properly, or if there's too much waste in the encapsulating process, the manufacturers will use talcum because it's a super slippery agent. The talcum is a, is a uh, extremely toxic substance and is considered uh, as a carcinogen. So it's got certainly no place as an excipient to make dietary supplements. But uh, the adrenal glands are 
an incredibly important little pair of glands that communicate with the thyroid and the pancreas to in a, and the spleen to um, to manage sugar metabolism. So um, if we've got some interference between adrenals and thyroid and pancreas, we could be running into digestive problems and weight gain problems and diabetes. Um, so by uh, supporting the adrenal glands as much as we can, and by eating uh, as, as an enzyme-rich as possible diet, so a plant-based enzyme-rich uh, diet is going to afford the least stress on the digestive system while being able to get as much of those nutrients to convert to cell energy uh, with the least amount of energy spent. Uh, hopefully that makes sense, Dr. Rosen. Yeah, I mean, Glive, I didn't want to interrupt you. You're on a roll there. You had a lot of great points and I have a lot of notes written down. So one of the things that I just wanted to sort of summarize all that you had talked about was the fact that stress is around us in so many ways, shapes and forms as it was for you starting at the age of five, whether it was nutritional stress or mineral deficiencies when you're five and when a new kid today turns five, life was completely different. And the stressors we have now, I think just, I guess, exponentially from an environmental standpoint, which is even more important about what we're talking about in today's day and age with EMFs and Wi-Fi and pesticides and sprays and Roundup and pollutants and chemicals and social media and Pavlovian stressors of, of notifications and dopamine. And it's just the stress is all around us. But one of the That's things that sure. I like to teach Cl sure. Clive is the fact that the biggest stress on the body is, is the ability of your body's cells to convert the food we eat and the, and the air we breathe into energy and yep. ultimately if it doesn't do that it doesn't do it effectively because of all the stressors from outside is increasing the demand to have to make energy and you're not efficient at doing it or there's mineral deficiencies or all of the above then you're going to produce oxidative reactants or free radicals or ROSs and that's going to really drive down your pH, which is what you were talking about in terms yes. of pH being your, your um, measure of tissue oxygenation, which I, I really want to get into that area of conversation with you because it's a great tool. It's inexpensive and it's not on a lot of people's radars. And, you, you know, if you measure your pH and you have a, a, an, an acidic value of 5.0 and you're able you're saying we need to get it in the 7.4 to 8 which is a little different than right. what i've been taught and told and we're going to get into some of the the myths or the 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 wrong information that you saw firsthand that ultimately impacted you know a, a lot of people in in adverse ways but even before then 
being able to measure tissue oxygenation, if you go from five to six, you're increasing the oxygenation of, of the cells a hundredfold. So why don't we talk a little bit, Clive, of, of the importance of tissue oxygenation, pH, and then maybe we can even get, I mean, you did already talk about it in terms of immune response and managing infections and making sure that you're able to replicate your cells effectively. Um, ultimately, it means that you're able to convert food and air that you breathe into energy so that your body's able to make ATP effectively. So wh why don't we kind of go into your evolution of the importance of pH, given all that you've learned from the fact that um, stress and the impact on the body and the adrenals and nutrition and how pH just became so pivotal and, and the, I guess, the genesis and evolution you've gone through with, with doing that. Um, you know, it is, it is probably the most important thing that, that we could discuss because pH, um, not only does it uh, facilitate the, um, ability for the cell to respirate and make ATP, but it's also a way that uh, the body um, has a frontline defense against cells being destroyed by free radicals. So what I'm saying is that when the pH is alkaline, that gives the ability for our antioxidant enzymes like superoxide dismutase and cysteine and glutathione, and there's several others that neutralize free radicals before they damage cell membranes um, if the pH is adequately alkaline. So we, we lose the ability to have normal cell health uh, from, a, from a free radical damage point of view um, on a wholesale global cell point of view, when the pH is not healthy, then we have much more free radical activity, which leads to more inflammation and um, sets the stage for infections. Because all of the pathogens take advantage of us when we are in an acid medium, when our cells are in an acid medium, because we don't really have much of a, of a natural defense and the pathogens just have a party. Um, and so, so the very thing that protects our cell membranes is the ability to hold that pH um, so that the enzymes stop the free radicals before the cell membrane is destroyed. And the same is with the contents and the nucleus, the organelles of the cell is also dependent on that medium being alkaline for normal respiration and ATP. Uh, and again, it comes back to the cell being able to have normal DNA and um, the gene being able to express normally all depends on a healthy pH. And, um, you know, for the, for the people that are concerned with the uh, so-called virus that's floating around, which I really believe isn't, uh, because the the viral the theory of of, <laughs> of of a virus being caught 
or being transmitted from one person to another is a really interesting discussion. You know, if, if a person has uh, a, a continuing downslide in their pH into the acid realm, they are going to be creating a lot of cell death. And so if we're sick, we're going to have a bunch of cell death. And if we have a PCR test, um, that PCR test is looking for fragments, cell fragments. And um, what they're really looking at is the result of, of the destruction of cells rather than a, a proper virus being identified. So I've got a bit of an issue with the whole PCR test situation because you know, they still haven't identified COVID-1 or COVID-2 in, in the full um, sense of displaying a complete virus with all its genes intact. So, you know, back in, and then they say, well, yeah, but what about the Spanish flu? You know, that killed huge numbers of people. Well, what's interesting about that old Spanish flu situation is that I found out that... Um, leading up to that time toward the end of the first world war the late 1800s doctors were putzing with vaccines using hugely toxic ingredients and they were testing it on on many people in the military and in governments um, all over europe and elsewhere and um, right around the time of the spanish flu outbreak um, We'd gone through the whole First World War. People's pH, I figure, must have been completely shot. And then they started to turn on radio waves all over the globe. So, you know, normally healthy cells, our brain and our nervous system would oscillate at around 10 hertz, which would be about the same as the... Um, resonant frequency of the Earth's crust. It's about 10 hertz. Well, then came radio waves and radar at the end of the, of the First World War and into the Second World War. Um, but right around that time is when we had our first dose of uh, abnormal radio frequencies. And now we've got it to where we're at millions of hertz above normal. And so you can see why somebody could collapse quite easily um, because what these frequencies do is they disrupt the cell's ability to hold oxygen by separating the nitrogen and the hydrogen and the oxygen and everything comes unglued and we suffocate uh, wholesale, uh, globally cells suffocate in the body with this so-called COVID thing. Um, I don't think that we're spreading viruses. I think that we've got people very sick because we've had pH destroyed and we've had our adrenal gland function destroyed by different levels of stress, chemical stress, physical stress, and mental stress. All of those tax the bejeebers out of the adrenals and um, coupled with the low pH and electromagnetic field that has been turned on, you know, we've got 3G, 4G, 5G. Now they're talking about 6G. 
5G not enough, but uh, certainly the advent of 5G around the globe in the different cities and metropolitan areas is definitely being considered amongst the experts um, to be a major factor in, in the symptoms of this COVID experience. Now, um, I'll just say that I don't think that anybody should be injecting themselves with anything that is connected to any of these so-called vaccines because there are some of the, the uh, people that are in the know, let's say, that are saying it's not good to inject your children with this stuff, but it's okay if somebody fits the category of, um, let's say, susceptible being a diabetic or obese or somebody with cardiovascular disease or somebody that's older than 65, well, you could give the vaccine to those people. I say that's highly inaccurate information because there's nothing in any of the five vaccines that has any benefit to the immune system. Now, the whole object of this so-called vaccine is to protect you from a so-called virus which doesn't exist. And how can it help anybody if there are only super toxins in the vaccine? So until they come up with a vaccine that has got nutrients that support cell metabolism and the life of cells, then uh, personally, I'm not really interested in any of that. And I don't think that any of these vaccines are fit for any human, um, regardless. It just doesn't make any sense to me to put poison in the body when the body's already at its um, total capacity to manage toxins we don't, we don't want to be putting anymore. What I would say is that we want to clear the bowel, you know, because the bowel and the liver and the gallbladder in so many people is all jammed up because of a lifestyle of, of eating the wrong fats. Now, I was one of those people. I grew up my dad was in the food business. Uh, he supplied fancy foods and all the other foods to all the restaurants in and around Cape Town and the Navy and the Army and the hotels and the hospitals were all supplied by my father's business growing up as a kid. And so we had all the best meats. Uh, we had T-bone steaks and... Um, uh, ribs and venison and um, all kinds of meat dishes that you, you know, brisket and this, there was always meat on the table. Always, always, always. I went to school with meat sandwiches, you know, poloni sandwiches and everything had meat. And so I made, uh, as you mentioned, Dr. Rosen, I made kidney stones from a very young age, uh, from as young as I can remember. And eventually they surgerized my kidney in 1978, widening all the collecting tubules and the pelvis of the kidney to better manage the flow of the kidney stones um, because I was eating basically an acid-forming diet, okay? A heavy meat-eating diet is an acid-forming diet and that is a recipe for making kidney stones because the way it works is that if there is not enough alkaline buffering material in the diet, which is basically the plant materials offer 
the, the minerals that are the buffering agents, that's the magnesium, potassium, sodium, calcium, strontium, beryllium, all of the minerals that are in well-grown food um, are missing in a heavy meat eating diet as I grew up with. And that's a kidney stone manufacturing diet. Um, and so um, it comes down to poor pH management. That was an acid forming diet that I was on and I didn't take in enough alkaline material to offset that load. And the result of that was kidney stones, okay? So um, I paid the price from an early age for not understanding that component. And certainly the doctors that were looking after me in those days, as nice as they were, uh, that they thought I had appendicitis when I had these kidney stone um, episodes, but they could never ratify that it was appendicitis. So they thankfully didn't take my appendix out, but ultimately they did surgerize the right kidney. Um, I would have, I would have uh, preferred if the surgeon um, looked at my mineral metabolism before he cut the kidney rather than making a comment in his post-surgery comments, which I still have the original letterhead with his description of the surgery. And then he describes that mineral metabolism needs further investigation. Well, yeah, it did need further investigation. I was eating a, a diet that was lacking the minerals. So what happens in that state is that the, the body will go to the skeleton to draw minerals from the bone it's pulled through the kidney into the bloodstream every time we rest when we sleep at night to, to do the job of buffering the blood. That is the body's highest priority next to breathing that is keeping blood's pH alkaline. The way it does that, normally it would draw alkaline material from the soft tissue which comes from our diet, from a high enzyme plant-based diet that's full of these metabolizable minerals. It would use that as a a first draw uh, source to buffer the blood while we sleep. If that's not available, the body will go to the skeleton and it'll use those minerals to buffer the blood. It'll get the job done of buffering the blood, but now it can't put those minerals back into the bone. That is not the pathway of bone metabolism. So where does it put those minerals? Into the walls of blood vessels, making for aortic stenosis, for example. It'll put it into the joints, making for arthritic tendency. And it'll put it into the penis as Peroni's disease, for example. So everywhere where the minerals, uh, where the body can shove it off, it'll put it out there because it can't go back into the bone. The, the way that minerals enter the bone is from the diet in a form that is... Um, in an enzyme state of minerals, okay? So um, if we dig out uh, soil, if we put soil from the garden in a cup and we stir it up and we drink it, yeah, we'll get something, but it's not gonna be ideal. The minerals have to go through the plant cycle in order for us to be able to metabolize those, magnesium, calcium, and potassium, and sodium, and all the rest of it. So, um, so that's why it's so important to manage the pH, because if you don't, then you end up with kidney stones like I did. The other long-term consequence of not managing pH 
is osteoporosis. We lose our skeleton if we're using it to buffer the blood instead of our diet. So that's another incentive to juice like a crazy person and to eat an enzyme-rich diet um, that naturally has all the correct fats. You know, one of the things with eating a, an animal-rich diet or, you know, a meat-based diet or a diet that contains meat, uh, some people have less, some people have more. Um, but the problem with it is that it has the wrong fats. And those fats collect in our bloodstream. And those fats stick to the walls of the blood vessels. And those fats make the ability for oxygen to be transported through the blood and the nutrients to be transported through the blood makes it all very sludgy. Whereas the fatty acids that are in the plant material are all in a form that dissolves the bad fat. So raw coconut oil, raw olive oil, raw sesame seed oil, um, all the raw nuts, all the raw seeds have all the correct fatty acids. A lot of the green leafy vegetables have the correct fatty acids. Chia seed has the correct fatty acids. As soon as you cook it, it turns it into something that becomes a problem from a fat, a blood fat point of view. But uh, interestingly enough, it takes some of the raw fatty acids to, to dissolve the thick fat that is in our blood. So we don't only need vitamin C and B vitamins to dissolve that fat in the blood. We actually need things like raw coconut oil and chia seed to get that job done and a boatload of avocados. Back to you, Dr. Rosen. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, again, once again, lots, lots of amazing points that you have there, Clive. And I, I would just sort of follow up on the slippery slope of just the, the whole COVID crisis, if you will, that's going on in terms of it comes down to I, I like the idea of the name of this podcast called The Truth About Your Health. And really one of the missions that I, I really want to embrace and, and help people is the democratization of healthcare. And ultimately that means empowering people to not be misled and misfed with information and, and food labelings, but also being able to take control of their own health and, and have education. And really the conversation that we're talking about in terms of mother nature and the foods from the soils and the, the frequencies of those foods. We talked about the frequencies of Hertz and resonant frequencies of the earth and how that's all being changed with the information of electronics and EMFs. But yes. what is certainly devoid is the fact that you look at the, tr the typical diet, even with people that make attempts to get healthy foods, depletion of our soils as early as the 30s, right? So yeah. we're really yeah. talking yeah. about we've lost the ability to have our cells produce energy at the cellular level and all of the static that happens at the 30,000 view foot level, especially in our day and age and social media and mandates. And I, I remember a mentor that we both know talk about like, 
you know, with all these crazy things that are going on in the world or just with corruption and, and agendas, you just got to follow the almighty dollar to find out why and how and when yep. and what and where. But anyways, as a side note, um, you, you did start talking about the importance of, of, of um, amongst other things, about the, the pH and, and how it really tells us about oxygenation of our cells and it's the best surrogate marker that we have to be able to understand how your cells are breathing one of the interesting things that i I think we could talk about now is the fact that perhaps we both learned and i don't want to speak for you that initially 6.4 to 7.0 was the ideal range and the best way to be able to support that would be by helping with hydrochloric acid to break down your food so i know that's a bit of a uh, of a little rabbit hole to go down for for yeah. us here um but i you know the truth about your health and and the mission of this of this podcast for myself personally and professionally is to knock over sacred cows especially with things that i've recommended personally for myself and professionally for my patients and it is a very humbling experience to to learn about maybe some new information that you didn't know before that this this i don't say discredits but tips over the typical recommendations you make so why don't we go down there clive in terms of 6.4 to 7.0 versus 7.4 to 8.0 and then ultimately the old way and the new way of, of what do we do to fix that Okay, thank you, uh, Dr. Rosen. Uh, We're getting to the crux of the biscuit here. (laughs) And um, (laughs) see, because 6.4 to 7.0, although better than the mid fives, which is where the majority of people are until they figure out what's going on. And then even a plant-based diet might not quite be enough because they're not uh, at home enough to eat enough plant-based foods or they don't have enough time to get the juice extractor going. And there's so many factors in different people's lives that determine how much time they can putz around in the kitchen. So I appreciate that that component of this this discussion uh, because I think that everybody would just like stay at home and juice all month, you know, Uh, but from a practical point of view, not everybody can do that. Uh, Although it would be utterly fantastic if everybody could do that especially for a month, uh, you'd have so much energy. People would be, uh, people would be awake at two o'clock in the morning um, with plenty of energy for the rest of the day uh, if they were juicing like that. But now back to this issue of 6.4 to 7.0. 6.4 to 7.0 is still acid. Seven being neutral uh, is getting there, but it's not going to give us enough muscle to overcome um, the huge stress uh, on the cells that we have from a, um, a, an illness, if you, for lack of a better term, as we are facing right now, we need more muscle than just neutral because neutral is not going to afford the uh, normal function of the immune system to manage infections, which are probably more bacterial than they are viral. In fact, 
I think these infections are more parasitic than they are anything else. And uh, pH, getting it up into that 7.5 and above range is going to have the best chance of knocking down parasitic pathogens of all kinds, whether they're microscopic or uh, bigger than microscopic. Maybe they're little worms, maybe they're little flat liver flukes, maybe they're two or three inch long worms, or maybe they're even a foot long and an inch thick, okay, that inhabit our digestive tracts. And so the way that we can most efficiently knock down these organisms is to put them to sleep with a high alkaline pH of above 7.5, above 8.0 would be fantastic. Um, that would be really pulling the big guns. If we can get the pH up around eight, now we're talking about the ability to shut down parasites like nobody's business by putting them to sleep. Now, while they are sleeping, we come in there with aloe ferox and we literally kill them while they're sleeping. And the beauty of aloe ferox, not only do, does aloe ferox take out all these different kinds of pathogens, uh, worms, liver flukes, um, all of the organisms that host in the small intestine and the large intestine that give us feelings of uh, discomfort and bloating and diarrhea and constipation um, and all these things, that is cleared when we fix the pH and clear the bowel with aloe ferox. And the aloe ferox also gets rid of um, the sludge that accumulates in the, in the um, bile ducts of the liver and the common bile duct that gets all the junk out into the small intestine via the gallbladder. Okay. So uh, alloferox is an incredible way to neutralize these pathogens, uh, which by the way, alloferox will take care of these pathogens, whether or not you're fixing your pH. Alloferox is one incredible plant with an incredible amount of horsepower in the way that it knocks out the bad guys. I mean, it's just quite stunning. Um, I can tell you stories about the, the way that it deals with infections that are just absolutely amazing. My own experience with it um, over the years has just been nothing short of incredible. I have such an incredible respect for this plant. Um, and the, the major difference between aloe ferox and aloe arborescens and aloe vera is that aloe ferox is much more bitter. It's about a thousand times more bitter than aloe vera, which means that it's got that many more anthroquinones. And it's the anthroquinones that take care of these pathogens. Okay. And it's the anthroquinones that also facilitate the peristalsis of the bowel. And it facilitates the peristalsis of that whole bile. Uh, the common bile duct in getting rid of stuck bile and sludge and stones and everything in there. Uh, it's, an, it's a phenomenal way to get the, 
the clearing of both liver gallbladder and the digestive tract. Now, once we get enough chlorophyll into our system, we can also start to clean the blood. And so we not only want to start by clearing the digestive tract and liver gallbladder to set up the stage to more easily and efficiently clean and rebuild the blood, which we can do with, with the aloe verox, but we want to accentuate that whole process with chlorophyll by juice extraction. Chlor uh, chlorophyll in kale and parsley and cucumber and celery and iron in the beets. And there's plenty of chlorophyll in the beets. And so we've got green chlorophyll and red chlorophyll and uh, the chlorophyll in the carrots uh, and the carotenoids and all the other flavonoids in uh, lemon with the skin that's also juiced and uh, celery, parsley, cilantro. Um, I can email the recipe or uh, we can put it up somewhere, but um, basically it's the, the things that clean and rebuild the blood. And if we do that often enough and we at the same time clean out the digestive tract and the liver and the gallbladder, we can get some phenomenal uh, recovery of all our health system, all systems, all the organ gland systems come back to normal, including the ability for cells to make new cells that make uh, healthy cells that function properly is going to depend on the ability to hold the pH, which gives us that negative polarity, 25 to 50 millivolts. So whichever way you slice it, it always comes back to managing pH. And um, managing the good fatty acids and not cooking the fatty acids. Because a lot of people will say, uh, don't worry about me because I'm vegan or I'm vegetarian and I, I only cook in my olive oil or I only cook coconut oil. I don't cook uh, vegetable oil and I don't cook grapeseed oil or rapeseed oil or whatever it is. They think that they're okay if they cook the coconut oil. It's not okay if you cook the coconut oil. As soon as we get it above the temperature where you can hold your finger in it, it's becoming some other type of fatty acid, which is then gonna be a problem for the blood and liver gallbladder. We want those absolutely raw. Yeah, again, Clive, it's, I write so many notes after you speak each time, I have to pick just one of them to kind of go forward on, but really, really great information on that. So, so I think that I, I missed a point that, that should be addressed, Dr. Rosen, I'm sorry to interrupt you. And that is the subject of HCL. And I know that so many people around the world use HCL as a supplement uh, with the notion that they're not making enough HCL. And uh, the problem with that is that since the goal of cell metabolism and the diet needs to be alkaline forming so that we can produce acid for function, when cells make ATP, the result of that chemical process, which is facilitated by enzymes and minerals that allows respiration, um, uh, really needs, it needs an alkaline starting point. And so um, I, I forget the point I was trying to make there. I'm going off on another tangent here. 
Um, but hey, but hydrochloric acid, the, we're talking about HCl. Yeah, right, right. So 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 w since we're trying to take in enough alkaline material to get normal cell physiology, we're not looking for anything fancy. We just want normal. But every time we take hydrochloric acid, we're stopping the process of normal digestion. Because in order for normal digestion, we have to have alkaline saliva so that salivary amylase can release tyolin that triggers the other digestive enzymes that release from the pancreas, but only as a result of an alkaline saliva. So, so if the whole thing depends on an alkaline fluid coming down the hatch, why would we want to put acid in there? We, we don't want to put acid in there. We want to put alkaline in our digestive tract. Now, if we're eating meat, we might be making acid as a result, which I think has confused a lot of people over the decades that they think that hydrochloric acid is a secretion of the parietal cells of the stomach, when in actual fact, it is a, it's the result of eating acid-forming food. Now, the, the, the doctor that is probably the most authoritative figure on this subject is Dr. Robert Young. And he says that hydrochloric acid is literal poison to the cell. Those are his words. And I, I didn't ask him the question. I didn't say, hey, Dr. Young, what do you think of hydrochloric acid? In one of his lectures, he simply states that hydrochloric acid is poisonous to cells. So, uh, you know, Dr. Robert Young is the gentleman that's looked at more blood under different kinds of microscopes than anybody on the planet. And um, he explains that you only have two types of blood. You have healthy blood and sick blood. And uh, we can't have healthy blood if we're taking in acid-forming food and supplements that are making acid. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to suggest that, that everybody suddenly become a vegetarian. That's not the object of the exercise. Um, it's, a, it's for those people that are not vegan or uh, not vegetarian at this point. Um, one can just consider that uh, you need to take a lot more digestive enzyme supplements should you want to continue eating meat or have a treat with it if you still enjoy that. Um, you could just beef up the amount of digestive enzymes that you take with each of those meals. In fact, any of the cooked meals could use digestive enzyme support to give your immune system the best um, leg up on the situation. So the more we cook the food, whether it's a plant-based meal or a, an animal-based meal, the more difficult it is going to be to digest that meal. So that means the more support we want to provide with um, digestive enzyme supplements, the more we cook that food. Now, um, 
the meals that I typically eat from a cooked point of view will be cooked rice, cooked potato, cooked beans, all the different legumes, those will be cooked, but the rice is soaked, the beans are soaked for two days, rice is soaked for one day, all the legumes are soaked for at least one or two days. Then they're much easier to digest, they're, they take a shorter amount of time to cook at a lower temperature, and um, the rest of the food is finely chopped vegetables with um, squeezed lemon and avocado and balsamic vinegar and all the different herbs and cayenne and turmeric and uh, all of the great stuff. And I never feel like I'm missing out on a, on a meal. In fact, I can't wait for my beautiful wife to make me meals that consist of exactly what we're talking about. And we, we sprout sprouts at home, and or sh I should say Virginia sprouts the sprouts. And, uh, and so I never feel shorted with this type of, of meal. In fact, I, I absolutely devour these meals, but I never feel bloated afterwards. I never have trouble with digestion. Uh, I, don't, I don't have burping. I don't have um, acid reflux. And I, I, I have a significant bowl of, of uh, salad food uh, with each meal. I'm significant, you know. Um, probably put it in a backpack and take it for a hike. I mean, it's a serious amount of food. But I never have uh, feelings of indigestion, and I'm 65 now. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. I think that, again, when you're gut bugs and like you said mostly parasitic are I, I call it hijacking the uh the decision making emotional driven uh food food yes. I, I guess wanting Craving. uh yeah and, and i think once we break that uh hijacking and retake over the the steering wheel if you will and you have healthy, healthy flora. And again, it all comes, like you said, if you, if it comes down to proper pH, realize what proper pH means. It means that you're oxygenating your cells, which means you're using your food that has nutrients and minerals to be able to deliver your, your oxygen to the cells instead of making uh, inflammation and, and free radicals. And yep. ultimately, um, if that isn't getting, isn't, that isn't happening, then a lot of that iron that gets stuck in the tissues because it's not delivering oxygen will feed microbes and gut bugs that will hijack the, the central mechanism that increases your demands and wants for, for foods that are, are, are pathogen feeding versus healthy flora, flora feeding. So you said a lot there, Clive. I, I mean, what I do want to do is off, off record and maybe even part two, have the ability to help people now that they hear this, well, what do I do about it? And we talked about, obviously, you want to be able to test. To test is to know. So to be able to have the ability to test your, your, your morning and your evening pH and you're looking really at that 7.4 to 8.0, and, and like you've said, even higher than 8.0, yes. depending yes. on your constitution, a lot of people that listen to this are, that at least that I've worked with, are, are just really severely impacted and, and don't have the ability, it's like a catch-22, how do I have the ability to, 
exercise or be active when I'm exhausted and burnt out. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there's a lot of different starting points, but the starting point is to test your, your pH to be able to support those adrenals like we talked about with vitamin C and being able to get proper uh, nutrients with minerals. And and then the other thing we talked about, which I'm really excited to talk to you about too here, Clive, is the importance of getting uh, natural occurring B vitamins from our foods and not from just the excipients and the toxic tagalongs that do are included in the bottles to help flow through. the. That's right. And your typical B complex. That's right. That's, right, that's and, exactly t- right. and coal tar derivative stuff. But as yeah. far as, um, so, so you, you've developed a, or, or used a, a, a really good natural source. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So for the B vitamins, um, I was really excited to learn about rice bran containing pretty much a whole B complex uh, and so many other nutrients and antioxidants. Rice bran has got a list of the who's who in antioxidants. It's quite stunning. Um, it's on page two of the information sheet that I sent you, that, that list of nutrients, Dr. Rosen. But right. Um, right. in that list of B vitamins uh, are these special B vitamins that are partially B vitamins and partially fatty acids that help protect our brain cell membranes. And, and I'm speaking about phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylserine, and phosphatidylethanolamine. Um, those phosphatides uh, are a sort of a mixed bag of B vitamins slash fatty acids that accomplish that. So that's in the, in the rice bran. And there's all kinds of different proteins in the rice bran. Um, there is glutathione, there is gamma orisinol, uh, there's naturally occurring coenzyme Q10 in the rice bran. There is even um, the most elaborate uh, alpha lipoic acid combination with coenzyme Q10 is naturally occurring in rice bran. It's just an incredible food that you can give to little babies that haven't had the opportunity to breastfeed. So it's super safe for a little newborn child or infant that isn't breastfeeding. You know, we can use the rice bran with colostrum and blue-green algae, Klamath blue-green algae, as a mix for an alternative to breast milk. As close, it'll get us as close to real breast milk as possible for that child to develop a, a, a healthy, fully functional brain and immune system, um, those three things. Uh, but the rice bran is also used by athletes. I had one gentleman at the University of Texas that was a bodybuilder. The guy was built like a truck. And the only thing that he would use as a, as a supplement for his workouts was the, was the rice bran. And he would go through a container every week. A typical amount for your average person is probably a couple tablespoons a day or four tablespoons a day. And it tastes so good that most people will just eat it straight out of the container. And um, the kids love it. Dogs love it. Everybody loves it. But you can mix it with the Camu vitamin C. So for the vitamin C, uh, we use Camu Camu, 
which is nature's richest source of vitamin C, and it has plenty of quercetin and other flavonoids in it and minerals and proteins that are immune strengthening. And um, it's just a fantastic form of vitamin C that also can be eaten straight out of the container, although it's a little bit tart. So typically that's put in a smoothie with or without the rice bran. And the ionic mineral drops is where we get our magnesium. There is some calcium, there is iron, there's strontium, beryllium, there's all the 72 minerals in the ionic mineral drops, but it is mostly magnesium. So for the people that have a tendency to get arrhythmias, uh, for whatever, there's a number of reasons that they might run into that, but the ionic mineral drops is quite the exquisite remedy to sort that problem out. Or people that have leg cramps while they sleep, uh, ionic mineral drops is quite fantastic. But you remember, I had one of my adrenal glands removed back in 1985. So for me, the nutrients that make the adrenal glands function is of utmost importance. And it's the form of the nutrients that, that count. So not so much the amount, it's the form of the nutrients. And uh, we're just super fortunate to have those critically important nutrients for the adrenals, that is the ionic minerals and the vitamin C, the camu camu, and the rice bran for the B vitamins. So the only thing that's not there is a little extra sodium that we'd get from pink salt, like Himalayan pink salt. There is a little bit of sodium in the ionic mineral drops, but it's not a high sodium uh, solution. Um, so we do need extra sodium to have that normal adrenal function. In fact, we need this, we need the sodium for normal heart health, for normal, uh, circulation of our blood through the thousand miles of blood vessels in our body, or just some ridiculous distance that the blood is pushed through. It requires an electrical charge of those minerals. So the ionic mineral drops are highly ionic and they are able to hold that electric charge. So if you put the minerals to the ionic mineral test, uh, you will see how it illuminates the light bulb because it's able to hold the electric charge. And um, that's what makes the ionic mineral drops so uh, supportive for the adrenals and the kidney because the kidney is another organ that is dependent on electrolytes. Okay, it's an electrolyte dependent functioning. That whole process of filtering the 2000 liters of blood is an electrolyte dependent thing. Um, and the ionic mineral drops gives us that support. Um, which is also why it supports the heart muscle and heart rhythm and why it supports people um, that uh, are concerned about their nerve health. Okay. So um, the minerals are absolutely key for nerve health as are the fatty acids, absolutely key for nerve health. And what is the other ingredient for nerve health? Vitamin C. So it all comes back to the same thing again, B vitamins, minerals, 
um, fatty acids for the for the myelin and the vitamin C. Vitamin C, minerals, fatty acids, uh, and so it goes. And and in order for a nerve to function, to have a muscle contract and relax, it's going to need potassium and sodium. So for those people that have been told that sodium is no good and they must get rid of sodium from their diet, sodium is bad for the heart, sodium bad for blood pressure, sodium bad for, uh, well, the wrong sodium can do that. So your white heated table salt can cause absolute havoc for the heart and the nervous system and for the kidney and create swelling of the ankles and all kinds of problems, blood pressure problems. But if we don't have the good salt, that's the raw unheated salt like Himalayan pink salt, which has got all the 72 minerals in it, including sodium, an absolutely life essential mineral, then we can have normal nerve function and normal heart rhythm and normal contraction and relaxing of the blood vessels um, and the, uh, the muscles. So we not only need to be able to contract the the muscle and the nerve, which the body uses calcium for, and in the rest phase, it needs magnesium for that. So um, all the bases are covered in the food state of these nutrients that we've put together for the product line and to make it easy for people to consume all of the stuff without them spending a fortune. And it can taste good in the smoothies and they can make uh, high antioxidant tea with our rooibos extract to get that glutathione level up and they can easily clear the bowel and the liver and the gallbladder with the aloferox products that we have. So it just makes the whole process of people getting well a lot easier than, uh, than it otherwise might have been. Yeah, that's great. And and what I, I really like is it does come down to as complicated as the information is, it does really come down to common sense. And that it means getting good, healthy vitamins and minerals from, from healthy soils. And given that we don't have that, coming up with alternative ways to be able to put those requirements still in place, being able to produce ATP and, and have your tissue oxygenation or PHB at an optimal range. And I'm really excited to start offering this product line, Clive. And as we grow, continue to layer on more of the, of the products that you have and really provide the listener with different protocols to actually turn key. Okay, here's how you do it. This is what you want to do. This is what we look for. This is the, the approach to it. So I thank you so much. I, at some point, I'd even like to get point two because I have so many other notes that I couldn't get to, but we keep it around an hour. So in we definitely want to talk again because we need to discuss the dental component of all of this right? and, and how to make that question more simple for the people to get their mind wrapped around what would otherwise be quite a complicated situation sure and and then just to build on the the protocols for the allopherics and the different kinds so i'll definitely yes. get you scheduled off record for part two as far as just in passing i always like to ask my guests um clive if you would have known then what you know now what would you have told the younger clive in terms of stress response and being able to avoid some of the pitfalls that you had i'm sure there's a lot of things but does one thing in particular stand out yes the one thing in particular that stands out is that um information 
is is key. So, and not to be frightened, not to be stricken with fear, when when a person is diagnosed with cancer, the the uh, amount of fear is so overwhelming that one cannot think straight, and one just accepts whatever protocols are dished out. And the thing that I would that I would uh, try to uh, avoid uh, in my next go around on um, in this universe is not to have gone through the lymph nodal dissection because the tumor on the testicle wasn't metastasized. It was still encapsulated. So having that lymph nodal dissection where they cut me from under the arm down to the pubic bone and removed that right adrenal gland, I would not have I would not have done that. I would have said, no, I'll take my chances with just having the testicle removed. I think they flung it, flung it over the wall and they might have given it to Hillary Clinton. But, um, but uh, I would not have had the lymph nodal dissection uh, and the adrenal gland removed. I would say I would have taken my chances and um, see how it goes without doing that. Uh, it would have been worthwhile not going through that whole process because it didn't it didn't change anything other than um, cut me in half. So I'm obviously paying the price for that now. Uh, so the surgery was when I was age 28. I'm 65 now, but I definitely would not have done the lymph nodal dissection. No. Gotcha. Well, well, listen, I mean, you're right. Information is key. You didn't have the information then. And maybe if you did have the information, then you wouldn't have done the other. It's that butterfly effect of needing to find this deep and rich information as you do now, you know, so. And, and I, I think, think and I think that in this, this critical point of our conversation, I think even in front of that, I would have I would have wished for, I, I don't know how one can go back in time, um, but if somebody would have told me that eggs w could have been a problem for creating that tumor and to stop eating the eggs, uh, it's very possible that my body would have discarded that tumor by itself. Because the body is a, is a self-managing cancer management system given the right opportunity. Now, eggs was a prominent part of my diet at the time that I created this tumor on the testicle. And I just spoke to a practitioner a few days ago, Dr. Rosen, and we were talking about my testicular cancer uh, experience and my ingestion of eggs in those days. And this doctor explained to me that her nephew showed up with a tumor on the testicle and discovered that he was eating predominantly eggs. She told him to stop the eggs. He didn't go to have surgery or anything. And in time, the tumor disappeared and he has a normal testicle. So I would say to people, maybe one of the biggest points about this conversation is to understand the danger of eating eggs and it's regardless of whether it's an organic egg or a, a commercially created egg um, because all eggs 
have a particular type of arachidonic acid in it that um, promote enzymes that trigger tumors. Okay, so it's the arachidonic right, we're gonna, acid. We're gonna have to do. We're going to have to do a part two because uh, we'll do it. Um, yeah, because I was just wanting to get your insight on what you would have changed if you could have. And now we're doing a whole new conversation. But I'm going to I don't have the time right now to, to get into Fine. that. And I do. And I do want to get into it in part two. So very good. Um, to, yeah. So but I appreciate your time and, and your insight and your knowledge and sharing with us what you've learned. And we'll sort of keep the uh, listener on a cliffhanger in terms of if you want to find <laughs> out the real reason why you should not be eating eggs tune into part two um, also look forward to clive and i talking about uh the the importance of dent the dental component and yes. specifically yes. putting together the um the allopharynx dosing uh, approaches and ultimately being able to help you understand the truth about your health so that you're not dealing with fatigue and exhaustion. So Clive, until next time, I appreciate your time and, and I look forward to connecting to you once again. Thank you, Dr. Rosen. It's fantastic to be with you and your listeners. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's Truth About Your Health podcast, where our mission is to expose the truth about adrenal fatigue to burnt out men and women so that we can empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized. If you've liked what you've heard today and you're interested to see if this is a good fit for you to work with our Truth About Adrenal Fatigue recovery program, here's what to do next. Head on over to the truthaboutadrenalfatigue.com, all one word, forward slash podcast, forward slash booking. Again, the truthaboutadrenalfatigue.com, forward slash podcast, forward slash booking, and book an appointment to speak to one of our team members. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly are you right now with your health? What's working? Troubleshoot everything that you're doing or not doing. And most importantly, figure out what's being missed and how much it's impacting you. On the flip side, we'll then tell you what would your health be like if it was solved and what would you be doing differently and what would that look like? So that by the end of the call, we will tell you everything that we think you need to do to bridge that gap and do it quickly. If we feel like you're a good fit for what we do, we'll tell you exactly how that will work. But there's no obligation to have to do any further work together. That way, no matter what happens, the call is going to give you tremendous value, hope, and direction. Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. And our mission is to empower 100 million people to go from exhausted to energized, as we've been helping coaching clients all over the world be able to transform their lives. Isn't it time for you to transform yours? Head on over to the truthaboutadrenalfatigue.com forward slash podcast forward slash booking and book your discovery call today.